Welcome to Expert Views on ADR Ever, a podcast about simplifying the traditional African method of setting disputes or the appropriate dispute resolution ADR in a bid to attract more users to their disputes or conflicts with mediation, arbitration, collaborative law, restorative justice, negotiation, conciliation, and of course, early neutral evaluation. My name is Chiwa Ebunike, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Brighton, United Kingdom, and the fellow of the American Bar Association section of this pre-resolution mediation committee. I am delighted to welcome an ADR legend, um, Professor Andrew Goodman, to the EVA show. He is the convener of the Standing Conference of Mediation Advocates. Um, SCMA was founded in 2007. It is a cross-professional membership organization established to promote and deliver the best practice and professional excellence in mediation advocacy through individual and corporate training and commercial activities. And Prof is also the director of the Association of Mediation Assessors, Trainers, and Instructors, and the co-chair of the International Mediation Institute, IMI, Mediation Advocacy, Appraisal Subcommittee. He wears many hats, so I've left the links to his profile below. Welcome to the show, Pro. Pleasure. Nice to see you. Such an honor having you. Thank you so very much. And so without further ado, um, the first question is, what is the concept behind um, the Standing Conference of Mediation Advocates? So I, I've been uh, mediating for just over 30 years this year. And um, for a long time, I was concerned that um, lawyers who were engaged in mediation um, didn't submit themselves to any kind of training. Okay. Uh, and um, and um, really weren't assisting the process because they were em embedded in the orthodoxy of their training, which of course is to be made principally to be contentious. So the trial advocates didn't really know what they were supposed to be doing in the hmm. mediation. I take the view that appearing on behalf of a party mediation is a specialist skill. Yeah. And if it's a specialist skill, a specialist form of practice, however generic you make it, according to the kind of work that the lawyer is doing, they need an appreciation of the subtleties and nuances uh, so that they change their mindset when they're representing a party in mediation uh, from that where they are engaged in trial work. After all, um, advocacy feels out of place in mediation because it's a non-adversarial um, process. Mm. Uh, all, all ADR processes are, are, are intended to be um, non-adversarial, except yeah. where they are arbitral. So obviously, we, we, we bring adjudication and arbitration, uh, expert determination uh, into the scheme of broader ADR processes. But for those that are plainly mediative, that is where a third party neutral guides the parties in discussion to facilitate an outcome which is acceptable to both. Yeah. There, there really isn't a great deal of, of, of place for trained orthodox advocacy, which means that representation has to be modified 
to the extent that parties who are represented ensure that their representatives know that the aim is to come to settlement. The aim is not to continue to fight. It is actually very difficult. So, for example, um, I was mediating twice this week. Yeah. And on both occasions where the parties were represented, the, the lawyers found it very difficult to move away from their primary cases. They, they, they found it extremely difficult to do anything other than say, well, you know, um, if we fought the case, we would win and therefore the offer you make isn't good enough. Mm. And they're not looking for options for mutual gain. Yeah, they're simply they're simply looking for options for the benefit of their clients, and they cannot go beyond that to understand that in order to succeed, they need to identify options that are acceptable to both sides rather than merely one. Now, of course, it may have been my failure as mediator to persuade them that that's what they were there for, mm -hmm. um, but when you are mediating. You can't train the lawyers in, in, in what to do, what to say. Yeah. But what we can do is we can formulate um, a, a effectively a practice group to assist lawyers in developing skills, in appreciating the task, in, in formalizing standards that attach to party representation within this kind of a process and to help educate uh, both clients and mediators and party representatives, therefore lawyers, about the benefits of, of having um, an approach which is established to be different, if I can put it that way. Yeah. Now, the other reason that I... I thought it was important is that, of course, there is no right of audience in mediation in the traditional legal sense where we have jurisdictions that, that recognize locus standi for, for certain qualified advocates. Yeah. And in many jurisdictions, anybody can represent somebody in mediation and, and are encouraged to do so. So, for example, construction law professionals, architects, engineers, people who would otherwise be expert witnesses are perfectly capable of looking after clients without the need for a lawyer within mediation. Uh, and the same is true of accountants, of surveyors, of valuers. The same is true of any people who are reasonably educated or articulate and who, who, who wish to undertake this as a task. So we also find that there are people who are interested in, in looking after parties in, uh, in mediation who are not trained lawyers. In the same way, of course, you get mediators who are not lawyers. So I, I think there needs to be a practice group to, to, to educate and raise standards in those circumstances. Okay, so that's why you, um, you created an SCMA. Yeah. yeah, we started it in about two thousand and seven, and okay. we've been working in we've been working in up to twenty jurisdictions. I hmm. mean, uh, just off the top of my head, in Europe we've been working in Croatia, in Poland, in 
in the Netherlands, in Mm. France, Belgium, but then Nigeria, where we have an entirely standalone and independent chapter that works with the Nigerian Bar Association, in Ghana, South Africa, uh, India, in Hong Kong, Singapore, Nepal, um, you know, it it it's developed over the years, um, but 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 what happened? And I I need to be perfectly frank. When when the pandemic struck, I thought that people had other things to worry about, rather than concern themselves with paying professional subscriptions or or, or dealing with things. And I thought the the best thing would probably be to shut down our activity. Um. Although we were successful, we had a, 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 a good name in the in the field of practice that we were promoting. I just I just thought that because of this terrible situation everywhere, um, it, we weren't going to be adding value at that point. So we effectively closed down our activities for the best part of two years. We've been gradually um, increasing our activities again, but I, I think that. Um, the hiatus means that we can reevaluate what we're doing and, and look to have a, um, a relaunch and to try and regenerate um, our membership in the various jurisdictions where we've offered both training and accreditation and certification. Hmm. Okay, thank you so very much, Paul. And so, there, uh, do you think um, there was a buy-in um, for ADR at the, at the time you um, created SEMA? Uh, no, I don't think there was at all. Oh, I, that's 2007. I, think, I mean, you will know, I, 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 I'm sure, that yeah. in all jurisdictions where mediation has been developing, there has been yeah. a significant resistance yeah. by lawyers. Yeah. Sometimes the resistance has been formalised by local bar and local institutions, and that happened in... Italy, it happened in Turkey, it happened in Greece, and and otherwise, lawyers just generally um, are not very keen, hmm. um, because there are, there are a number of reasons for this. Firstly, of course, it's it's outside their orthodox legal training. It's only the last two three generations of students to come out of colleges where they've been given access to ADR training. Yeah. And of course, they come out and they're pretty keen, but they tend to go into law firms where the, where the, uh, the, the senior lawyers simply have not themselves had training in mediation. And they, they, they see the negative side of it. They, they look at it as, um, they look at it as a, um, a challenge to fees. They don't understand that it's intellectually worthy. I mean, seriously, you have lawyers who believe that mediation is simply a horse trading exercise, and therefore it can't be, it can't have the same intellectual vigor as as um, uh, uh, adversarial work in the law. Yeah. And 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 that, of course, is is simply not the case. If anything, I would say it is it is more intellectually worthy. For a number of reasons. Firstly, you're trying to deliver to the client something that the client actually wants. Mm. 
rather than something that he's told the law will provide to him. Yeah. And secondly, that 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 means that the lawyer has to work harder in order to try and achieve this for the client. Because the lawyer not only has to know his case, because he's got to be able to compare the true value of the case with, with what the client really wants and what outcomes are available. But of course, the lawyer is working outside the confines and therefore the framework of his normal professional activity. And he has to embrace change, which requires intellectual thought. And he has to move into a position where he recognizes that um, he cannot dominate the client. He's got to provide the client with access to assistance as part of a working team, rather than simply effectively ignoring the client and 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 doing what he says the law requires of him. Yeah. You know, I I always put it in very simple terms. In litigation requires the lawyer to, 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 to work out what's important to the law in order, in order to establish the case. Yeah. But in doing so, the lawyer discounts what is really important to the client. And the two may be very different. And, and, and therefore, the lawyer has got to be far less arrogant in representing a client and, and work much closer with the client. And the, the, the benefit of doing this is that the, the lawyer has the freedom to be creative. You know, we are creative. I think lawyers have very strong creative skills which are suppressed because of the procedural framework and indeed the substantive legal framework with which we, we operate. Oh, thank you so very much. I like what you said about um, most times the lawyers um, discount what's really important to the client. Hmm? Because most times what they want is just to settle and, you know. Well, they're not prepared they're not prepared to settle beyond the remit yes. of the structure of the case yeah so um they don't look at the extraordinary flexibility that mediation provides because mediation opens up a vista that the lawyer will never have considered for themselves mm -hmm. all right and, yeah. and we, as a practice group, we want to say to the lawyers, this is the most fantastic opportunity which you should embrace yeah. and, not and not resist. Yeah. Because and, and this is where the business case comes in. If you succeed in mediation, you will have a happy client. And, you know, in all my years of practice, over 45 years of practice, even if I win the case, is my client truly happy? Mm. And I can I can sum it up in a nutshell, and I you know I hope that this resonates with with people who are listening. But the lawyer can't really win because if you win the case for the if you win the case for the client, he will say to you, 
there you are. I was right all along. I didn't need you. And if you lose oh. the case for the client, he will say, it's your fault. Exactly. So, so, and and on how many occasions do you win a case? And the client is happy to thank you, but then he says, but you know something, I wish I'd never started this. I yeah. wish I had never got involved with this. Yeah, the right. cost and the time and the aggravation, and the stress, you know, and, and again, this is where this is where um, mediation scores because an ADR process can highlight to the client the true cost of the dispute. Mm. Whereas lawyers are myopic about this. All they can see is the costs and the substantive outcome. Mm. You know, how many lawyers ask their time, their, their client, what is the value of your time? What is what is the management cost of this action going to be to you? What is the opportunity cost of, of running this claim going to be? You know, what is what price do you put on health and stress? And you nobody asks that. Mm -mm, no. Because it's not important to the client in doing his or her job. Right. What's important, you know. But but if you can if you can get a satisfied client, that's the best marketing tool that your practice has, because not only would he return to you if he has another problem, yeah. but he will recommend everybody he can think of and say, "This fantastic lawyer got me the most amazing settlement." Exactly. And and of course, if the mediator is clever, the mediator will reward the lawyers by saying, "Thank you very much for achieving the settlement. It was you that did it." And and so that so, so there is there is a business case for mediation which looks beyond the mm. amount of fees that a lawyer is going to get in the immediate case. Mm. Oh, thank you so very much, Prof. In a nutshell, um, how far has an ADR enhanced access to justice and in the United Kingdom? I think that's a very difficult question to. Um, answer. I think that um, there is a growing propensity for people to look to um, processes and potential solutions outside the remit of the civil justice system. Okay. It, it, one of the big difficulties we have is educating the public generally. Hmm. Right. Um, and we do have these wonderful schemes. We have trade schemes, and we have we have uh, um, areas of particular interest which develop their own schemes. Most mediation bodies will run a scheme, and and trade bodies and commercial organisations will have customer relations schemes which involve either some form of mediation or some form of adjudication. And in terms of volume. People don't people don't see the the impact of schemes like this because they're not generally reported in the press and they're yeah. not they're not thought to be part of the civil justice system. Yeah. So for example, the number of disputes that eBay or Alibaba resolve, mm -hmm. and of course they don't call it 
dispute resolution. They call it customer relations. Hmm. You know, I uh, if you go to an organization like Next, which is a, a um, as you may know, is, yeah. is the single largest clothing retailer now in the UK, having yeah. overtaken Marks and Spencers. Yeah. So they have a tiered customer relations system. And when you analyze what it is, you have um, uh, you have uh, uh, different types of adjudication and then mediation, which sit within a framework of, of what their complaints department deals with. And, you know, if they and, and they do they probably do deal with between 10 and 12,000 um, complaints a year. Um, I use the word very loosely because I don't want to be pejorative because I, I happen to know it's the most fantastic organization. Yeah. But if you, if you say that, you know, most major retailers have mechanisms for resolving disputes before they escalate, and that if they had escalated, they would then fall within the civil justice system. Yeah. Then you're talking about ADR processes being extremely successful. But if yeah. you're looking at it, if you're looking at it purely as um, what percentage of cases go to ADR, which once went to civil litigation, then I suppose we're talking about six seven eight percent something like that after 25 years of of, hmm. of, of, seri of serious of serious diversion so but but i think that in every jurisdiction these tend to be plateaus the only exception being where um there is a compulsion so where where adr is compulsory certainly for smaller claims, then obviously it takes a much bigger chunk out of the civil justice system. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were if you to, if you were saying, is it successful? I would say there's a long way to go. Yeah. And in terms of um, educational system here in the UK, it's not yet compulsory, you know, for students, no. which is, um, I find it um, sad, you know, um, it 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 is a little sad. Um, I don't think there's any resistance by um, higher education institutions. Hmm. It, it's it's really a question of whether you de designate it as an optional module. Yeah. And if you do, whether you you want to to whether whether you want to fund that kind of a module. Um, unfortunately, it it doesn't form part of what I would call Law One Hundred and One yet. And perhaps it should, because Why? then, of course, well, if you if you if you made it a part of English legal system, yes, then at least you'd have first year students engaging with it on a compulsory basis. Hmm. As as it is, people either take it as a specialist course yeah. or as a voluntary module in um, in the, the later years of their study. Uh, 
and a, a lot of the courses which are specifically concerned with ADR are master's courses. Courses, yeah, you're right. The only good thing, of course, is that the students themselves organize um, competitions on an intramural basis yes. um, or an extramural basis. And I have the pleasure of, of having met students from all over the world who involve themselves in international student mediation competitions or negotiation competitions or um, or, or uh, arbitration competitions. Yes. And it is a most fantastic diversion and a most amazing um, educational experience, particularly when they're meeting people from other colleges, other countries. Um, uh, it, it is yes. fantastic. And I've seen... I've seen uh, people who I once met when they were students engaged in these competitions who are now practitioners and trainers and teachers themselves. Oh, wow. And I think that is the way uh, of, of significant, uh, we will see significant development. Yeah, exactly. That's good news. So thank you so very much. So, so far, what impact has an SCMA had? and then um, what can be improved um, in the future? So I, I would say two things. I would say that yeah. um, we, we we have developed, what is the modern phrase? Brand recognition. Hmm. So I, I, th I think people know of our existence. Um, unfortunately, less in the United Kingdom and, and more in the other jurisdictions where we um, provide training and accreditation. Yeah. So, for example, um, as you know, I um, we 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 jointly delivered training in India recently. Yes. Um, uh, and um, uh, and we we did two events. One was in conjunction with the um, the Supreme Court Mediators Association of India, and and secondly, in respect of the Indian Institute for Arbitration and Mediation which of course is part of the Asia Pacific Center mm -hmm. for Arbitration and Mediation and, and therefore has access to, I think it's 10 jurisdictions now um, across uh, uh, Southeast Asia and, and the Pacific region. Um, so, I mean, as, a, as an organization, we are open to any jurisdiction that's interested in, in, in uh, the kind of work we do mm -hmm. and we will, very happily go and either deliver courses or or, or partner with other organizations in delivering courses it's it's really a question of creating an awareness of mediation advocacy where one simply did not exist before and mm -hmm. and if that's if that's the case then i think we've been doing very well um in nigeria in particular we work with the um the bar association we work with bar associations in Hong Kong and we um, work with private um, organizations in Singapore. We work with the international um, uh, um, arbitration and mediation um, centers in, in uh, Nepal. Um, I mean, I've already mentioned the fact that we, yeah. we work very widely and we promote the idea that it should be a practice group but that that anybody who registers 
themselves as a user of our standards okay. um, is, is already either promoting or marketing themselves as somebody who understands what it is to represent somebody in mediation. And I think that that of itself, you know, creating a quality mark is our most successful achievement. Thank you so very much. So I think we're running out of time. So how safe and confidential are partitioners data um, with so we're bound by the general data protection regulations both okay. here and, and under the European regime as well and we partner for our administration with the ADR group which is um, it's the oldest civil commercial mediation organization in the UK and they handle our admin and our data I'm, I'm actually reasonably confident that that, that um, it's not something we need to think about. Okay, thank you so very much. So how can practitioners um, register or intending practitioners? So um, what I've done is I put two um, addresses in the chat box. Okay, yeah, I think I saw them, yeah. So um, the, the, the first is our current website, which is scmastandards.co.uk. Oh, okay. And that will give people an idea of, of um, what it is that we do. But if, if people want to register for their uh, interest, then the best thing to do is to use the email address that I've put into the chat box, which mm -hmm. is scma at adrgroup.co.uk. Okay. Okay. People, people are, are, are perfectly happy for people to get in touch with me directly. Okay, I'm, um, I'm going to put it there on the um, description on the video and on the podcast as well. So that's fine. The only thing I would say is that the the Nigerian group yeah. um, is a chapter which effectively stands alone. It, okay. it takes out, and and therefore, if if your if your viewers are in uh, Nigeria, Nigeria, they. Okay. they they should be registering with the Nigerian uh, SCMA. Okay, okay. Thank you so very much, Bob. So um, what's the way forward for the mass advocacy of India? I mean, personally, I think that um, education is still the key. I think that um, once there is a broad recognition that uh, people representing parties in, in mediation are not doing the same thing mm. as they would be yeah. in contentious um, uh, uh, departments of legal firms. Or once they recognize that this is a skill set which can be used by non-lawyers as well, then it's simply a question of creating a momentum within their own jurisdiction to push hard for the notion that a specialist practitioner is going to add value to the client in terms of settlement. And then it's simply a question of marketing their activities or marketing their practices in the same way as, as anyone else. Okay, thank you so very much. So final question is, what is the future of international legal research and their podcasting, particularly um, in ADR? I think I think that it, there is enormous value 
in in developing podcasts such as yours to to bring information to to people who currently may feel isolated in what they're doing we we've already agreed that there is not enough formal courses in ADR in in educational institutions and and therefore education and training is sporadic and until it's universal then there must be tremendous value in people who are otherwise studying on their own having access on the same level uh, as as others and irrespective of their jurisdiction so that they can um, engage with uh, experts in the field uh, or if if not experts and certainly practitioners and thought leaders and have access irrespective of the fact that they might not be able to find a local course or local training or local education mm -hmm. and therefore the work you're doing is vital and i applaud you in in your efforts thank oh, you so thank much thank you so very much i'm so grateful i um, appreciate um, um this master class i um I uh, believe that potential users uh, would embrace um, all you've um, stated here in and of course up for ADR um, whenever the need arises. And of course, um, um, yet um, to be registered ADR practitioners uh, now know how to um, go about um, registering with them or joining um, SEMA. You know, so I appreciate the learning, the teaching, and um, your insights and perspectives on um and this subject matter. Thank you so very much for having You're very welcome. Thank you. Over, uh, over the course, over the course of the pandemic, the one thing yeah. we did do, yeah. we encouraged people from across the world to come on to monthly, uh, monthly Zoom meetings. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, just just to discuss what was happening in and and we we ended up with an average of about 80 viewers Whoa. participating in in up to 30 different jurisdictions wow. and and all of a sudden despite the terrible things that were happening everywhere you had a sense of coming together in a way that you couldn't physically we we want to restore this and i hope that we're going to start doing it again if not later in this year, early next year. And yeah, I would welcome, awesome. welcome participation okay. from around the world. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so very much. All right. You take good care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.